Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the marketing minds at doyouconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. We're here. Welcome to episode number 27. I don't know about you, Kevin, but our kids started school this week. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's been, every day has been just different, getting used to that routine. Um, and then just lots of fun builder partner stuff going on. So it's like all over the place. Every aspect of my life, I guess, if you were to segment it, has been different and new. So it's, it's exciting. I yeah, like it's it. been it's been busy in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of new techniques to try, new things to do, a lot of new communities. Um, oh, yeah. Love those. Coming up before the the weather turns and people can't pave uh, in a, lots of the country anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things continuing on. It, it There has been a little bit of a pullback overall in the market, pretty much nationally, but felt a little bit stronger in different areas of the country. Um, on the existing home side, some of the folks that I follow on Twitter, uh, CEOs of companies like Rheology, Brad Inman, who's who head of Inman uh, mm-hmm. News Service and and the conferences, he he said the title of my next article is going to be the inventory crisis is officially over, which it's all about perspective and and mm-hmm. you probably saw the blog post that was published on on our site that I wrote about my harrowing. I loved it. Flight. But that, that idea of, you know, that headline, if it is true, that the inventory crisis is over, does not mean that people aren't buying homes anymore. It just means that there's not 10 offers coming in on the first day, you know, that the home is available for sale. Which is just crazy anyways, as far as... Yeah, that's not healthy. That's not where you want a market to be if you want to yeah. last. Did they give yeah. a overall um, reason for like on the existing home side? I haven't looked into every detail of it. And of course it's different per market, per city, per zip code. Everything is, is different, but like an overarching, here's what we think is the reason. Uh, kind of, yeah, there, there, I've seen different thoughts on the existing versus new on the existing side. A lot of it is just people have kind of given up the, this combination of a slight, um, shift in the market combined with a whole bunch of people who have tried for a long time to get a home and kind of like, um, you hear about sometimes with unemployment numbers, it's like, these people oh, who just okay. give up looking for a job. They're just like, you know what? I'm going to wait a little while. Maybe until school, next spring. Something. Go back to school. Yep. Gotcha. I guess, yeah. Um, or yeah, on our side, we could sell our home for some nice dollars compared to what we paid for it. But then it's like, well, then we have to go buy something. <laughs> and what we're looking uh-huh. for is like, that home two years ago was not even close to that number. This doesn't seem... And for me, I'm like, okay, yeah, you're I'm not gonna you're not going to sell bit. your house and go up slightly. You'd have to sell your house and buy something yeah. that's two yeah. or three times what your house is. And At that's least. not yeah. an easy shift to make. So that, yeah. on the new construction side, and I think I said this last week or so, an unnamed CEO of a public company basically mm-hmm. said, you know what? We're just going to have to realize that our pricing is going to have to be more to the market versus just picking whatever price we want to based upon our own costs or for sure. what we would like to get for a sale. Like we're going to have to go back and actually figure this out the right way, which that again makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I chuckle, um, I chuckle. I'm like, well that if you're selling anything, you would need to do that. But I guess that kind of shows the high expectations on like, we could just price it where we want to and it still sells. Yep. And I was on a conference call with another CEO of a top 25 home building company. And he basically just said, look, it's it's a little bit of a softening, but it is by no means anywhere near, again, the those who have PTSD and think that every little shift in the market means the Great Recession is back. That's mm-hmm. that's not the case. There's no macroeconomic condition oh, no. Um, nope. that's driving a lot of this this time around. So. For sure. All positive. All good stuff. All right. What story time got in store this week, Andrew? Ooh, I got a new coffee grinder. Isn't that amazing? That is so exciting. <laughs> that is so exciting. Uh, so I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, so pull up the, the link now. We, we should put a link of this with the... Um, this is uh, old school. Yeah. My parents and my sister, they went to Hawaii and they came back with... They're like, hey, do you want anything? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really need anything. But they're like, hey, we're going to this coffee place. Like, bring me back some coffee. Why not? I have coffee every day. They brought me back beans. Usually I get it ground up because I don't have a coffee grinder. And so I'm like, oh, I need a coffee grinder. And so then I started the Amazon black hole of researching what coffee grinder to get. 
so I spent all this time, probably, I guess maybe like 20 minutes, like, okay, which one should I get? Which one should I get? And then I, I got this one, I think it's $12.99 or something. I don't know, not much at all. And I'm like, look at this thing. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, six main pictures or seven at the top on Amazon. I don't know how many words, a lot of words up there. Mm-hmm. And then it has a continued, almost like a landing page where it's like yep. all over the place, every little thing about it. And then I was on some builders' websites because I'm always on builders' websites looking around, whether it's it's just something in my area or anywhere. I'm just looking, looking, looking. And I'm like, I think this coffee grinder has a better page representing itself than maybe, I don't know, 80% of the inventory homes yep. out there. And some, some builders do amazing jobs with it. They have 40 pictures, descriptions about every little thing. But I'm like, if those also happen to be the builders that have the highest percentage of conversion from that's right. visitors. That's right. And probably the most qualified people because they already know about the home and like tons of reasons to that. I'm like, this is insane. Like, and who knows how much time this took for someone to write. I'm sure it's a fair amount of time, but it's a $12 product. They might sell a hundred a day or something. Who knows? But I'm like, I think every home deserves this much attention, if not more. Well, does it beat the coffee grinder landing page or not? Is the litmus test, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my favorite. My favorite feature on Amazon is the ability to zoom in, not HD, but zoom in significantly, almost like going from a oh yeah, fifty millimeter lens to a two hundred millimeter zoom lens on a on a traditional camera. Like the ability to see the exa- I use the example of a backpack at PCBC. You know, a twenty nine dollar backpack, same thing. But I could I could look at the stitching detail and get a sense of the quality without mm-hmm. being able to pick it up. Uh, and it's a and it's a backpack. Like the same thing would be like if you have like the thickness of the granite in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as like is it a little thin stuff or is it the really nice thicker stuff? Whatever dimensions it is, whatever it's called, I have no idea. But seeing that is like, oh, well, that's why this house is better than the other one, or that's why it's twelve thousand more or whatever the numbers are. It's just I'm blown away sometimes. I'm like, every page needs to look this pretty, and this is a coffee, this is a coffee grinder. Yep. The you know, the challenge is Inventory homes might sell very quickly, generally speaking. And so the the excuses that I hear, I'm not validating any of these. The excuses that I hear often are, Mm -hmm. well, inventory homes sell too quickly. They're all so unique. So I take pictures of this one and uh, it's got this kind of cabinet, but then the next one has a different kind of cabinet in it. To which I always, this should just be building a page like this for every floor plan. You know, you you only use that content for a week or two until the home sells, but then you're constantly top grading the content on the overall plan page to be more like your coffee grinder. Or even just cabinets. Like here is 60 pictures of cabinets we've built in the past year um, for people to get excited about as Mm -hmm. exciting as cabinets are. But they are exciting when you're like, hey, we're building our perfect home and here's all the different Here's the 30 knobs I could choose from if, if you do offer those options. Yep. Um, at least it's better than the old 50-year-old home that they're looking at existing. Where they're like, oh, I'll have to replace those. Oh, those are really old and outdated. Oh, I'll have to replace those. And then they see everything new. They're like, wow, this is amazing. I need to go this route. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That is the end of my story. And you have, you have a really good story. I like it. Well, yeah. The first one... Um, my brother's house did sell the one that I talked about last week. Nice. Um, the pictures I give credit to the pictures. Yeah, it was within four, it was less than 48 hours after the new ad with the new pictures went live. Wow. That's crazy. They did get an offer at their asking price, which he felt like was at the top end of his range, which was, which was good to hear as well. I'm just looking up the stats to see um, the new pictures did perform looks like about 15% better in terms of cost right, and right. click through rate. Um, so 50, so yeah, that then over say a hundred thousand dollars in budget for the year is significant. If that was to be applied to a builder, um, that's a lot of money. Yes. And, performance. and you know what that you just said that makes me want to look at it. I'm going to, Oh no, let's just take a look. Mm-hmm. The builders that we work with uh, so far this year, January 1st through uh, August 16th, mm-hmm. $1.25 million spent on Facebook and Instagram advertising. So a 15% increase 
that's that's real money <laughs> for sure. Real money, real houses, real leads. Yeah, just for pictures. So that, cool. that that was fun. Um, always fun to tell your brother. Told you so. Told you so. Um, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the realtor uh, starts looking into how to promote their houses uh, with social media. For sure. And is that your older brother or younger brother? It is. It oh, is. I'm the baby brother. Nice. Yeah, he's 12 years older than me. So even better. <laughs> yep. Exactly. So that's my quick story update. And then my other story, which won't take long at all, is just don't launch your website right before the weekend or at the end of the business day. Mm, Like when you are going to do something that big and important, it's okay to come in like for you to come in or your, your vendor to come in a little bit early and like switch it over at four 35 in the morning. And then Mm -hmm. you can work hard uh, to get everything knocked out that you need to before, you know, eight, nine, ten o'clock. So pr- pretty basic, but I, I just continue to be surprised by the number of times that a website launches at, you know, four or 5 PM. Uh, yeah, that's never or a good time. near the end of the week. Sometimes for some builders, the weekend is not as, as heavily he- heavy in terms of volume of visitors to the website, but the quality of that traffic is immense. Um, oh, for sure. I just don't want to. Don't want to mess that up. So yeah, we even or or I even sometimes won't launch anything on a Friday, um, mm-hmm. especially Friday afternoon. Just what I forgot what bias it would be, but I think we are all biased to our Friday afternoon technical work might not be as good as Monday or Tuesday mm-hmm. or Wednesday. So it's yeah, cancel that out. And it's good. <laughs> like that's even, or even the afternoon. Like I like that starting at four in the morning, five in the morning. If you're going to be launching anything huge, like yeah, gives you wiggle room. Yeah, it's not exactly. And like you're saying, it's not that it's not that you are intending to be less effective or efficient on Friday afternoon. But it, you know, and and the builder yourself, you're going to be hyped up because you just got this brand new thing and you want it to be perfect. Mm-hmm. But the folks that you're reaching out to for support or to, to get something changed may not, you know, what's the old saying? Uh, well, we, we do this with customers as home builders all the time. We, we build hundreds of homes a year. What's the big deal if one little thing is kind of slightly wrong or different, right? There, there's just natural human yep. uh, response to be like, yeah, you know, we'll take care of it. We're, we're, we're a home builder. Whereas that particular homeowner, every, every everything thing. about it is so um, emotionally charged. Yes. Every little thing, this drywall right here. Oh no. Yep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just a PSA. I, I, I had a rookie move here, Andrew. Oh, I no. got a new um, range installed in our house and we had a, um, a gas top with a gas oven. Fun. And we, the new one is an electric stove or electric oven with a gas uh, stove. Okay. And if you do that, you need both gas and a 220 outlet. Otherwise, you will not be cooking for oh, a while. <laughs> so are you not cooking for a while? We are not pizza. cooking at the moment. No. We, yeah, <laughs> tonight it will be pizza or subs or something else. Oh, um, but yeah, just just peek back behind there. Know Again, what's going on. it's the curse of the existing home. If it was new construction, I would know what's back there because I put it there. That's right. Just another reason. It's always good. And it would be perfect. Brand- yeah, we don't have much gas options around here down where I'm at, which is bizarre i think but just everything's electric all right let's shift to the news what's up this is a fun one so truly i I think a lot of people have probably have seen this one they launched what are they calling it the local section um so in their app and on their website they have um i'm trying to find the actual well they've had zip code um level data for a while both zillow and trulia Mm zillow is a little bit prettier in the way they display it but yes they just launched community specific um, pages or details in the app, which it's only available, I think, in, in parts of California, Austin, Texas, uh, Chicago, and they and they did clarify like this is going to be a slow rollout across the rest of the country. So uh, I just pulled up one uh, example from Austin since I'm I'm very familiar with that okay part of the country, and it is neighborhood overview. It's pretty impressive. Uh, it's like a mixture. Uh, well, I guess it does amenity information provided by Yelp. I was going to say it's like a was, mixture of Yelp and like Yelp. other things, but there it is. But you know, it's got price ranges of ho- what homes have sold for, what rent is for, the distance to downtown, and this is all, you know, like the neighborhood I live in is called Olentangy Falls. This is just. It's not a zip code. It's not a city. It's just a neighborhood, which is what makes it so unique. How many homes are available for sale in that neighborhood for rent? What the schools are rated? 
all photos available that have been um, able to be compiled. I'm not sure where this is coming from. Yeah, I'm trying to find because Yelp is all the they have like the top restaurants like right there in the community. You could look at them and top businesses. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious if I just do a Google search for East Oak Austin. Yeah, it looks like uh-huh, that house right there is in the Google image results. So I'm not sure how they're pulling those in, but that's pretty slick. It's pretty slick. Um, they've got crime stats. They've got what locals say about it being a pet friendly area. If you need a car or not, um, is it quiet or noisy? Even testimonials um, about how people have lived there for a while. Rent range price. Uh, crime range. maps. And again, it, it's just basically another granular level from the zip code data mm-hmm. that they've had. But it's 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 pretty impressive. And it, I understand <laughs> when you look at this, you understand why it may be a little bit slow to roll out. Yeah, it's across the country for sure. Because and it's on top of the already like I put the link to my my zip code, the already existing three three seven seven two. That's the zip code. I live in real estate market overview, and it gives you quite a bit, which is still I haven't been on here in a while, so I completely forgot about this. But it's super cool and super accurate. I'm like, yeah, you go across that street. Sure enough, that's where those types of homes are. You cross this one, and it's all strangely accurate. I like it. Yeah, and I, I think it's really smart. Um, of course, they're smart people, uh, lots, lots of money, lots of brain power. But you know, Zillow is pretty much all you hear anymore. And in fact, mm-hmm. after about a, six months to a year after they acquired Trulia, you don't really hear that name very much, except for in some very specific markets. Uh, but it, and I imagine at some point, pieces of this will. Uh, I would fall back over on the Zillow app as well, but I think it's smart to separate uh, them as well. Yes. I wonder how they will do with, if it's not positive. You know what I mean? Oh, you mean if the information about the community is not positive? Yeah, that community is just terrible. Like, (laughs) well, I'm looking at your zip code data here right now, Andrew, and it's showing uh, in the past year, there have been 442 counts of theft and 205 counts of assault. Well, do you see it says that is very low for (laughs) Pinellas County. So 205 isn't too bad, Oh, compared to the rest of the county, that neighbor, yeah, Um, that zip code's good. Yeah, if you zoom out, I mean, you could definitely see where not to live. Um, But that's still like you see if you're new to the area and 205 sounds like a lot like that. And then 360 counts of burglary, 442 counts of theft. Yeah, that's that's pretty serious. Um, yeah, some of the school ratings are are you know yeah. out of a scale of ten high schools. It seems high like, and, but are, you know yeah. that's just it, what do you? It is what it, it, is, is. What it is. And if you live there, like you said, it was you felt like this was accurate. You didn't think like, mm-hmm. oh man, I guess it's this is what's the uh, we all compare things. It's in the book that we all need to read. Um, influence all relative. I think it's an mm-hmm. or maybe that's predictably irrational. It's all relative. Yes. So once oh. you zoom out, you're like, oh, all the crimes over there. Like this is this is pretty good. Like I like this choice. Um, it'd be interesting if you're a builder that builds in one of the. If they zoom out on the map and relative, you're like, oh yeah, this is not. But you, you already know that anyways when you're building in that not so great location, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, then that affects yeah, price. That affects uh, price. You know, school district safety, all that convenience, all those things are going to affect the price point as well. So I. I think it's, um, I mean, them and everyone else is going towards the Amazon model of just full transparency on all data yes. and then let the consumer decide. There, It is not in their best interest as a platform to make those decisions about what is good or worth showing because the consumer will ultimately just go where the most For sure. unfiltered data is. So. Yeah, I like that transparency, which this this is like a side news thing, but I've just been following Realtor stuff past couple of days. I don't know why, why, but like my feed has been blowing up with more realtor focused stuff and all of it's like mm-hmm. the opposite of where the world is going. And we could edit this part out if we want, but it's like, <laughs> don't give Zilla your data. Don't do all this stuff. I'm like, this makes no sense. This is so like archaic. This is not consumer centric. My favorite is when I see a realtor write some version of the following article um, if you shop for homes, make sure you don't use the Zillow app. Make sure you only use this other app. Mm. And and there's this weird app that's not like 95. Yeah. And there's some truth to the pieces that they're saying, of course, of the the quality of the data may not always be as accurate as this other local or you know MLS affiliated service, but 
Mm-hmm. What they don't say and what the real reason at the end of the day is, is that if you use this app, it, the lead always goes to the listing agent versus this other app. It might go to yep. a premier agent or someone else and not me. And I don't like that. So, mm-hmm. but ultimately we know where the consumer is going to continue to move. We and know that's, where that's what Amazon has, has taught us. In fact, the Amazon effect is a great book. Um, some of our builder partners have read it and, and highly recommend it as well. So something Super else to cool. check out. Let's get some SEO nerdiness updates here. Or Nerd just- out with your brain out. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this one is my favorite because this is opportunity and I get excited about things like that. Like this is a, what's that shiny object syndrome? Mm. I definitely get that sometimes, which is good because I'm, you need to remain curious on new, new things. But this is not even new. The post is new, but... Yeah, so the, it's new. a post from what is this? Moz.com. Yeah. Uh, their Whiteboard mm-hmm. Fridays are great tools. They try to simplify more complex topics. And this one is just titled, Do You Need Local Pages? It's not directly connected to home builders, but when you watch this and read the blog post and look at the screenshots, it should um, something should click for you, especially if you're a builder that yep. is regional, uh, you know, Market level, regional level, you know, it's not like I just build in Hilliard, Ohio or Powell, Ohio, but I'm in broader areas. This is going to relate to you. And and what he's really breaking down is a lot. A, what is a, a local business, a local page and a national page. And then in his little grid here, he, he, he kind of looks at that compared to implicit searches, which is using uh, local location based data. Well, you just give an example. What is a what is a implicit, explicit, yeah. and near me search look like? Yeah. So you have implicit, explicit, and near me, and he gives his formula as far as do you need local pages? So implicit would be new homes for sale. Explicit would be new homes in Columbus, Ohio. New homes in Tampa, Florida. New homes in. So one is the the location data being assumed based upon the location of where the user is when they do the search. Correct. Right. Yeah. So implicit. I think Google will, you know, they, they know they're looking for something local, but explicit, like they, that person is being explicit with looking for that. And then near me is new homes near me, which I think will bring up more Google maps results. So he gives this formula. You could plug in all this search data and, and go in there and mm-hmm. like get, okay, well, what percent of my search traffic that would find my webs- my website would be doing explicit searches versus, versus implicit versus near me. And it kind of gives you this guideline as far as, if you need local pages or not. And I like that, but I also like the um, quick and easy of are the, are my competitors doing it or, and are these syndication sites doing it? And they are. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Syndication sites, the, the easy put some big sure. money in and they this do. research and they know exactly like, Hey, we need every, they have local pages, new homes, Orlando, new homes, anything that pulls up that search mm-hmm. essentially on their site um, with as a local page that they rank for, which is the big thing. So they have, I don't know how to say that they have a page dedicated to each market and sub market city. Yeah. Well, just like we talked about with the truly a story, mm-hmm. you know, the big news article was about the app has this in it, but it's also on the site itself. That's how you and I were looking at it as we're talking about it yep. here. And that when you type in that community name, that neighborhood name, in search, truly it pops up, even though they haven't been live very long. It already, you know, ranks highly for that neighborhood. So if someone's looking for homes specifically in that community, that's what truly is angle is. Uh, so great, great article. The other thing oh, yeah. that I think ties into this uh, rather well is implicit, explicit when it comes to Google ads, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. I mean, and, and we talked about this, gosh, was it episode number two or maybe, one, I don't know, way back, way back there. Yeah. But just real quickly, how do, how do you think about implicit and explicit when it comes to your Google ad campaigns? Um, so I will go that explicit will be the majority of, of your budget always um, and quality of traffic. We know what they're searching for. We can control the ad for those people. Um, if it's implicit, as far as mm-hmm. we, if we don't know if they're searching for what city, but they are in our geographic, say if it's even 10 miles from the community or, or 25 miles from city center of the big, say Columbus, you know, 50 miles around Columbus. Yep. They could be searching anywhere within there. So we would have to serve them a different type of ad, but the potential for a lead is lower. The bounce rate is going to be 
it depends on what you offer if the bounce rate would be there. If you build all over the place in Columbus, that would probably do pretty good. But if you don't have that option, they'll go, oh, you only build on the north side. That's not me. I'm looking for the, mm-hmm. the east side. Um, so explicit yep. for sure is where the effort needs to be placed, which really aligns with what on the organic side is if you don't have those pages, yeah. like that's a huge opportunity. And if you do, do the implicit, when we see accounts for the first time that have been running for a while from somewhere yeah. else, usually there's uh, implicit stuff being run, like just new homes for sale. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's not even being protected from a budgetary standpoint. So if they're spending four thousand dollars, three thousand four hundred may be eaten up by new homes for sale. Yeah. And so the explicit, which is the most valuable because we know the most about the intent, mm-hmm. they don't even have the budget to to try to win yeah. and, anymore either. Yeah, intent's a good one. I like, I like the word intent. And then it's back to, uh, if you re-listen to Andrew's segment, not the other, the other Andrew, Andrew, Andrew G at Lunametrics, he talks about uh-huh. answering the question. So SEO would be answering the question they search and the question being what they're searching for. So new homes in yep. Columbus, Ohio, what would be the best representation to answer that question? And it's probably more than just a map with dots on it of communities. It's, you know, a whole giant landing page better than the coffee grinder. You know, it needs to be, it needs to answer that question really well. Yep. I just talked to Andrew Garberson yesterday and I'm just nailing down his hour and a half. That's right. An hour and a half of content that he's going to bring to the summit uh, next month. And I cannot be more excited. Everyone, I think it might be, except for your sessions, Andrew, it might be everyone else's favorite. And we won't know who they're talking about because they'll probably just say Andrew's session was my favorite. Good. good. See, it's on on purpose. We're both (laughs) helping each other out by having the same first name. Yeah, I'm excited for his because there's not much SEO. um, Getting good SEO information, like the tactical stuff, I think is is hard to find. Mm -hmm. So, and someone you could trust deliver that is is super important. And if you hear the crazy noises, this is the blower right in front of my door like yeah do you hear they know what time podcasting time that's right andrew's talking (laughs) shut them off take the mic away it should be done in a moment all right next article is from marketingland.com how to take advantage of facebook's advanced matching pixel uh, what is this one about, Andrew? It is about nothing super, super exciting, I think. Well, I'm just kidding. You need your pixel. That's the exciting part. So there's a newer version of Facebook's advanced matching pixel, which they came out with um, in 2016. So you already have it on your site, or you better have it on your site. So now there's just a new, more simplified version of it, well, which will help you track events better or automatically. Yeah on there so, so just another public in. service announcement yeah just yeah. make sure you update the facebook pixel to the latest version always keep that up to date what why do we want to keep the facebook pixel up to date what does it even do so there's there's two things uh remarketing it allows you to remarket to people who previously visited your website and the second one is it functions it functions just like the google analytics tracking tag you can mm-hmm. get insights on facebook about your people and you could do, you could run campaigns with the pixel in conjunction to help you. Custom really audiences, define audiences, define conversions, what you want to track, all kinds of great things. That, so just yeah. go make sure you got up to date because yeah. we promise it will become very handy That's to you. That's right. That's right. Even if you don't do anything now with it, like just throw it on there yep. so it starts collecting the, the data. Exactly. Exactly. All right. And the last one also from Marketing Land, 15 questions to ask yourself before publishing a new landing page. But Andrew, uh, or I told Andrew, I have severe ADD. So just pick your favorite three because you guys can go read the full article if you want yeah. to. But, but what are your top three takeaways from this? 15 is a lot. 15 is a lot. So my top three, and I'll read all three of them really quickly. Is my CTA immediately obvious? Are there distracting elements on my page? And is my CTA clear? So okay, so immediately obvious. Are you talking about placement? Oh. Um, yes, and this is so. My opinion is placement and what you're asking for. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a fan of forms over like a button that says "click here to register" and then a pop up happens. Just because yep. they see the form, they immediately like it's like second nature. It's instinctual now with the way the internet is. Like 
I have to fill something out or I can fill something out. They know that option is always there if that's mm-hmm. the first thing they see. So like above the fold in the form um, and distracting elements. I think if a landing page has too much on it or if there's too much pretty stuff, I th- maybe I'm just not a fan of pretty websites or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think it could take away from what they need to do and it makes a CTA yeah. not as obvious. Um, so that also goes in with like the design and flow of the page. I see yep. no reason. I guess I see no reasons to make landing pages this like, hey, we're going to test this really cool, trendy design thing on the landing page that people aren't used to yet. Um, you want, you're doing a landing page because you want performance. You want lots of leads, all these reasons. I think it's the place to like keep it straightforward and simple. Go there and make it super obvious what to do. Which yeah, in fact... Um, not about landing pages, but I don't think we've talked about Andrew. We, we came up with this very creative design uh, for for new Facebook ads that looked really good from all mm-hmm. of our perspectives. Oh yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But it just didn't convert as well. And at the end of the day, it ended up because it it just looked too good. It um, did the way that we tend to do our Facebook ads. It looks more like a photo gallery that's native to what Facebook does mm-hmm. when you upload lots of photos. Not quite, but similar. And this one was just obviously, while it had great photos of homes and looked interesting, it obviously was not that. Yeah, it was, it was too much, but it looked awesome. Like we were all like, this is amazing. This is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was great. It just didn't. Yeah, the numbers did not like it. The Facebook. You can people. definitely over-design anything. Yeah, I think that's what. Don't over-design, I guess, is yep. the, the word. And is my CTA clear? Yeah. yeah, what does that mean? That means that's not a very clear question. I know that's not very clear. Even <laughs> even my grandmother, who I am troubleshooting her fax machine with for some reason. I the what? Know. I don't no. know why she has a fax machine, but I, I, that's a long story. Um, oh man, I'm it sorry. Needs to be clear that even she would know what to do. She's 83, so she has to have a fax machine in her. Well, in the her first office. thing you need to do is you need to get her set up with a beeper that can go off I prior, know. you know, a minute or two before a fax comes in. That way she can go over to the fax machine, make sure the toner's good, the paper's That's loaded. Right. Paper's you know, loaded. The is plugged in. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, my it's, goodness. So clear enough that she can know what to do. The reason she is submitting the form, what's going to happen when I submit the form, why they're going to. Um, so my fan um, to make this easy is the button or starting from the top, say you have a form and it's like, submit your information to join the VIP list. Cool. Or mm-hmm. become a VIP lead. Um, a look, quick little reason why they should the form and then tie in the button. Don't make it say submit, have it say join the VIP list and it all connects. And even taking a step further, I don't know what you call it. The confirmation box also needs to support that CTA. So yes. like five times they're like, I'm joining this because I want to be a VIP. You got for this coming to a community. Yes, I want to be a VIP. Thank you for being a VIP. We'll send you emails periodically, blah, 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 something like that. So yep. they have the whole picture of like expectations and what will happen. Got it. So the difference between the first one, which was CTA immediately obvious, is about placement and design of mm-hmm. your call to action. Correct. The third one, you're just saying, what is the trade-off? Why? Why? What is the benefit to me if I fill this out? Making mm-hmm. that abundantly clear. Got it. Okay. That is it. Awesome. That's going to do it this week for the news. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with this week's 360 topic. Market proof your marketing, how you can not just survive, but but thrive in any condition, as long as you make sure that you're doing the right things when it comes to how you go to market, how you run your advertising, all that and more. We'll be right back. All right, let's get to it, Andrew. First, though, market-proof marketing or, or market-proof your marketing is this week's topic. It's eerily similar to the name of our podcast. It is super <laughs> close. I wonder why. It's also, <laughs> uh, I just finished writing an a article for Professional Builder Magazine called Market-Proof Your Marketing, which we're using as a rough guide for, for some of this talk. But I thought it'd be fun if we just first talk about um, why we call the podcast what we do. Because it's not the most SEO friendly term, right? It's not. I don't even think it would be a SEO term. 
Like, I don't think anyone would search for this. Nope. Home, builder, home builder marketing or new construction marketing would yeah, probably be a be better SEO term. Yeah. What do we know about marketing anyway? Uh, yeah. But first, let's just read off a list of the rejected podcast names. Oh, yeah. I thought, you know, Andrew and I worked on this for, we spent probably a month doing test episodes and knocking around ideas and mm-hmm. getting the technology to work. So uh, the Do You Convert Marketing Show does not have the same ring to it. (laughs) This next one, just looking at it, makes me laugh. Between Two Nerds. That's right. Just like uh, Between Two Ferns with, uh, what's his name? Zach Galifianakis. Galifianakis? I don't know what it is. I know who he is, but because of the song. What was the song with Zach Galifianakis? Um, Galifianakis. Lyric song lyrics. What song is this? Tonight, 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 tonight. Uh, we're going at it tonight. There's a party on the rooftop, top of the world tonight, tonight. That's the song. I'll find anyway, it. Alexa, play. Between two nerds, did not make the cut. Nope. Uh, Builder Marketing Academy. Eh. Doesn't sound like a podcast. There's no tests on this. Yeah, there's nope. no. Um, doesn't sound like. Sounds maybe like a, a program. Mm-hmm. Uh, an academy. Yeah, an academy. Elevate your marketing. Nothing to do with wow. home building. Well, but elevate yeah. the conversation. Like elevate elevating. your mm-hmm. Take it to the next level. It had pieces of it that yep. didn't completely suck. This, oh, Builder Marketing Institute. That's like a cult or something. That's terrifying. Uh, yeah, or for people who are over 60. Like that sounds right. like a name Institute from the is, 70s. Yes. Yeah. New Home Sales Institute Association. <laughs> That probably exists and we just insulted somebody. I'm sorry. I'm sorry too. <laughs> Builder Marketing Tribe. Um, Seth Godin approved. Yeah, no, no branding required. You don't, I mean, you can join the Facebook group, but you don't have to declare allegiance to That's us. Right. Or even uh, like us. Yeah. Your tribe. Digital marketing for builders. That's the most clear. But it's more uh-huh. than digital. It's more than. I don't know. I feel like it's more than that. Or digital marketing for real estate. That opens up the whole world for disappointed realtors looking to get help. Uh, Builder marketing masterminds. Also something straight out of the 70s, 80s, like mastermind. Mastermind. I mean, I know that's still a thing. Like I'm in a mastermind group. But when I hear that, I always think of, um, we play the the game mastermind with our kids, those little colored pegs. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I always think of when I hear mastermind. I think of someone paying me like, a case of monsters, you know, a 24 pack of monster energy to be in my mastermind group or something. Mm. That's the fee, by the way, if they want to join the builder marketing mastermind group, <laughs> builder marketing minds. That was okay. The yeah. next one is my last. I just don't yeah. favorite builder, yeah. builder. Builder marketing playbook. That's a good title for a book. Um, Should be a book. marketing. I forget the. I think it's on my shelf right here. Um, winning marketing playbooks or marketing playbooks. It is, that is a great book. Um, talks a lot about, um, it's called a playbook because it's assuming you have a direct competitor and I think it gives seven or eight different outlines of, uh, tactics you can do when going head to head against someone else. And gotcha. I'd recommend that book, but not for our podcast. Very football. And then I think you sent over almost this entire list and, and we yes. were kind of like, eh, we don't mm-hmm. love any of these. And then just kind of off the cuff. Yeah. I replied to that email. I'm like, what about market proof marketing? <laughs> just, and I was like, that's it. That's it. I spent so much that time on this it. list and they all were terrible. And then sure enough, Oh, what about this? So, and you have no recollection of how you came up with that at no, all. No, I wish I had some, like <laughs> I was doing this, I was doing that and market proof. It just something hit where I'm like, Oh, this seems like, because the market, you know, the environment of selling the homes is the market proof. You know, we have to be defensive and, and make sure it's going. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe that's something that was in my mind. But it was like, boom, what about this? Yeah, and I just instantly grabbed onto that because my own experience going through, you know, the Great Recession and and experiences at Heartland and NBR and, and even Miranda at a time was, you know, the market's always going to change. We're in a cyclical business. But uh, if a marketer, you want to have an impact regardless of what cycle you're in. And to do that, you need to have a, a market-proof mindset of, I'm not going to let the market dictate all my, my results. You know, it, it might have an impact, but it's not going to be the make or break reason for success. That's right. And that's why 
I love it so much. So um, let's get into how do we uh, market proof our marketing. And again, we're loosely following the outline of the article that I just submitted to Professional Builder Magazine. But uh, three three quick things. You know what? I'm just we're going to skip those pitfalls altogether. So there are three um, kind of pitfalls that you might hear being spoken in the hallways of your home building company. I know what I'll, I'll tease you one of them. Okay. But I want to keep the rest for the article. Um, if you hear words like "we're taking an across the board price increase." Uh, you need to start to be concerned. It's not an, a, a complete red flag, but you do this very much at all. And you're doing a disservice to some community because some communities can take a $10,000, $5,000 price increase. And other communities could only take a $500 or $1,000 price increase without significantly impacting sales results. And that's when the market is good. Um, when the market is great, it can mask that ability because everything just keeps selling generally well. But as soon as the market starts to turn, uh, you get lulled into the safe uh, sense of security by a great market by saying, we can just throw, throw new pricing out whenever we want to. You know, Lumber becomes more expensive, throw it out to, across the board. But this is not an across the board business. This is a community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, uh, floor plan by floor plan, inventory yep. by inventory business and approaching it from an across-the-board perspective, is long-term going to be a huge pitfall because it takes so long to unravel and work that out and figure out this community is now not selling. Obviously, it's because of the market conditions changing, but then how do I fix it? And if you've muddied the water by taking all these across-the-board price increases, it's a lot harder to diagnose. For sure. And that's probably the least, I'd say price is probably the least, um, the last to change or the last desire to change. Sure. Yeah. No one like, wants to lower no the price. Yeah. Uh, and that, again, that goes back to if you've done these price increases across the board as a, as a knee jerk reaction or just not wanting to do the hard work of figuring out how to do that. When you have to undo pricing, when the market turns, you know, one of the big concerns, Andrew, is how do I do that without, you know, making everyone who already bought in that community either simply incredibly upset with me uh, and my company or potentially even worse, just cancel in backlog and say, you know what, I'm not, I haven't closed yet. You don't have all my money. You might have my hand money, but you just dropped your price by 20 grand. Someone walks in today and you're not willing to do that for me. I'm gone. So uh, it can be a very interesting situation to work back through, but that's one of the three pitfalls. Um, again, just look for that article coming soon to an issue of professional builder new you, but let's walk through kind of the things proactively that you can do. So We'll bypass the other pitfalls and just talk about things that you can do to become a market fun stuff. All the fun stuff. Uh, this first one is my favorite: is gain insights into lead and revenue attribution. So nerdy. That's good. That's good. <laughs> and and I think motivation can come if you just look or glance into other industries, mm-hmm. especially those with higher transaction numbers. E-commerce, yeah. I guess, would be the main one because they have so much. They have so much data, they could do so much more is the big issue. Like if they're selling 5,000 of something a day, that is so much more they could do for attribution and, and lead, like all the whole tracking thing, just so much easier versus, hey, we got 100 leads this month. Um, so their innovation, which only makes sense, is going to be a lot faster because the amount of data they have coming in is exponentially you know, greater than what we have. Um, so that's, yeah, you can't. Yeah. And, you know, you're, it's never going to be completely perfect um, because of privacy concerns, because Google and Facebook may not want you to have that much granular data because consumers don't want you to have that much data uh, and clear their cookies. You know, it's never going to be hundred percent. And so the goal is not uh, to get to a hundred or even 95 or 90% complete attribution, at least not in 2018. Mm-mm. But at the same time, it's not okay for you to just to say, well, I have a 10 to 15% idea of how this is working. You got to do better than that. That's, that's unacceptable. And the reason this gaining this knowledge makes you market proof is because as you're looking at the data about what is working and what is not, you are open to making changes much faster. You know, if sure. just imagine in 2007, 2005, even if home builders had had a way to give proper attribution to newspapers, they would have stopped advertising way before 2018 oh, definitely. with newspapers. 
And so now with if you're doing digital marketing, especially, you have to have some of that basic attribution information in there to be able to make informed decisions faster because other people in your organization and some people, this, this surprises them, Andrew, but the last downturn, mm-hmm. the first reaction that most home builders had was not to cut back on advertising in the newspaper. It was oh, to actually yeah. advertise more. Okay. Yeah. So, hey, that, that one page full color ad didn't work. Let's do two full page color ads, you know, a full page spread for $22,000 in one weekend because we've got to make this work well enough to get some revenue. And so mm. it's not just the marketer, marketing department or the leadership that has to, it's the whole, the whole leadership team oftentimes starts to want to have insight in, or input into how marketing decisions are made. And you're going to need that data to Definitely. be able to Definitely. Even, even if it's, and maybe this is dangerous to say, um, Ooh, I like it. Ooh, dangerous. Going into unventured territory. So we've been testing some cool stuff on Facebook. Um, Kevin, I don't even know if you saw SEMA because I just forwarded it to you like an hour I or did. so ago. Okay. And just some cool stuff on Facebook. That's as much as I'm going to say about it. And it appeared to work really well, like three to five times the result in a model home on that weekend. Um, mm-hmm. It happened once. So, it, But attribution, connecting those people to what we did on Facebook directly with 100% attribution super super difficult but if we do this over and over again the same type of strategy over and over and over and the same type of thing happens we can be for the most part confident that that tactic works yes for now well it doesn't mean so, it's not working here for now um because because i don't want to make people upset or make them think we're being coy let's um, let's uh, okay. remove the facebook part of that test and just go back to weekend directional signs i think we talked about this with steve shoemaker okay. about you know old habits die hard is how do you test the effectiveness of your weekend directional signs and attribute their impact on your walk-in traffic you just don't do it in a weekend and see what happens and then you put them back and then you take mm-hmm. them out again and see what happens. And if there so is no positive observable and negative impact, change, yeah. positive or negative, exactly right. Then you say, hmm, I can really yep. attribute not much to my weekend directional sign program as it stands today. Maybe you try scaling it back. Maybe you try ramping it up. But to your point, you don't always have to have a cookie or in your CRM. It doesn't have to say this is how they found Correct. you. Yep. It just has to be tested consistently. And individually, you can't you can't test ten things at once like this. Nope. I'm just going to do no advertising at all for two months and see what happens. That's not going to tell you <laughs> that sounds anything. Bad. Yeah. Okay. Next one is make sure you are collecting the right data and keeping it well organized. And this, you know, has there are opportunities to use AI or to use any new tool. Oftentimes, the more data you have and have it organized well to actually be able to use it, it can accelerate your learning and growth and impact. And AI is stupid in and of itself. It has to have data to look at and analyze and compare and, and learn from. And so if you're not collecting the right data, I'll give you, an, I'll give you a, an example that still most people do not do this. Um, we used to at Heartland Homes, uh, we told one lie and that was, uh, that if you wanted to price out your home in our CRM system, that it was the system required us to have your current mailing address, not just your zip code, your current mailing address. That sounds and, like a lie. Yeah, it, well, <laughs> it worked. And we it got worked. a lot of current mailing addresses in the system. And Sweet. still today, if I was in a home building company, I would do that. If they want, it's kind of like a landing page mm-hmm. uh, behavior, right? Okay, you want to price out a home? I have to know your current address. That's right. The reason for that was because then for the low, low cost of, you know, 45, 45, 42 cents, whatever it was, I could send them a postcard until they, they bought from us or said they bought from somewhere else. Definitely. And that was a really efficient, effective form of, of remarketing that wasn't digital. But if you don't even ask for that data, you, you can't, you can't do anything like that. For sure. And it's I think, example. I, yeah, I think a, uh, more theoretical thing they could look at as well as, is precision and accuracy, just understanding mm-hmm. those two terms and then relating that to your analytics as far as like in and of itself, looking at your website, it could be 
make sure I got my definitions and correct my, have them correct. Pre- precise is okay. Accurate doesn't matter as much because it's all relative within your own website. If this is making any sense, I'm, I'm finishing the story. Um, so if you make changes to your site, it needs to be noted. Or if the way you're collecting that data, if you go from, say, right. analytics to um, tag manager or like a new version of analytics tag, or if mm-hmm. something changes that could affect the precise, the accuracy, I don't I need to look it up too, of it. And well, say, oh, the oh, story really went up, I, but really yeah. didn't don't go up, or this happened. I think what you're saying is it's better to be accurate and know what, what yes. it is you're doing because then you can ratchet the, make it more precise, adjust it. And as long as you keep Correct. doing it accurately or marketing it accurately, yeah. or if it's all wrong, keep it all wrong. In on. If yeah. you fix it, it's like, Oh, our bounce rate in September is twice as high or twice as low as July, but that's not right. Cause July was wrong and everything before that was wrong. I'm not making any mm-hmm. sense on this. If it was wrong, it's okay to be wrong as long as. Yeah. That's the hardest part about even the first one about attribution. Yeah. In general, is the same. If method. you aren't collecting data the same, exactly right, the same method That's accurately right. over method. at least one full calendar year, you have nothing to. I mean, mm-hmm. we are working with people who are. I mean, these are hundred million dollar companies, who, you know, until we started working with them, they didn't use Google Analytics. They used another tool built into their CRM only, and mm. so craziness. It's yeah. like we have nothing to compare to that. That is accurate. Yeah. Um, to your point, the other going back to Facebook, uh, that we can talk about is, you know, obviously the lookalike audiences is a, is a big example of this too. Mm-hmm. If you have good lookalike audiences, uh, based upon good data that you've organized well in your CRM, purchasers, non-purchasers, people who have priced out a home, but not purchased all kinds of approaches you could take to things like that. So definitely the main point though, is if you're not collecting the right data to begin with, to, to Andrew's point about accuracy, you have nothing to compare to or use. And if you don't organize it well, I'm telling you, there are going to be within the next two to three years, some really good AI tools. There's, there's some already, but you have to have the data to put in to teach it, to learn, to, to help you accelerate with, with jet fuel like energy, your results. Definitely. That's, um, I was reading about IBM Watson, which I hated on them last night for their Facebook ad that they served me. But there's all these expectations of IBM Watson helping with, with curing cancer or ty- certain types of cancer. And they just can't collect enough accurate data yet for Watson to be effective, which mm-hmm. is super interesting because it, it could do all these crazy things and it's the computing power is just insane, but it just doesn't have enough comparable data to come up with any, any solutions. Pretty interesting. Yep. That's right. All right. Back to the building world. Okay. Number three, stay focused on your customer's needs instead of just what your company needs. And, you know, when times are good and people aren't as focused on getting sales results and the customer, sometimes, almost every time, marketing will get pulled in all these other different directions. Hey, we'd like you to come up with a way that um, our warranty department doesn't have to answer the phone because we get too many phone calls because we sold too many houses last year too many people are calling in and you find a good way to just you know our poor gal is crying because there's just too many phone calls coming in hmm. you know that is yeah. that's that's a crazy example but for those of you in roles are being asked to do these kind of interesting tasks that are really just about what is what your company wants to have happen has nothing to do sometimes is even anti-customer in what they're asking you to do you just have to push that away for as long as possible or just flat out. If you have the street cred, say this is not in the customer's best interest. But again, you could find yourself being pulled away from an attention standpoint to these other things that don't impact results and don't make your customers experience better. And then when the market turns or adjusts um, again, you're going to be caught off guard when you don't, don't want to be. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good one. And last, uh, we got a we got a two part one. Stay current on potential shifts in consumer behavior. Ooh. So, you know, test the waters, um, buy an Oculus Go, experience uh, different three D uh, tour options, augmented reality, virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Um, do it. I thought re listening to to the interview with Jeff, I thought it was interesting. He's like, do this with your family. You know, buy a three sixty yeah. camera and record your own family memories on it. You know, that's a 
whole different way to experience than just purely from a, I'm a marketer. How can I use this to, to advertise and get leads? I think the fun part with that will be like, and say that's five years from now that 360 is as standard as people have, you know, HD level videos on their phone. Mm -hmm. Um, they'll be like, everyone will be like, Oh, I wish I would have had this five years ago. I wish I'd have had this been taking these 360 photos where you can have Christmas morning and it's the entire room. You could look around and be like, look, here's everybody, not this flat image, but it's like, here is the entire room. I could look around in it. Um, it'll be, yeah, it'd be interesting to see that. And I think an easy one on this is especially going back to video is people looking at Facebook videos vertically on their phone no one browses facebook horizontally yet almost all the videos you see that are produced are horizontal and -hmm. facebook is already pushing like hey do square or vertical videos do square or vertical videos and the data we see square or vertical videos outperform horizontal the same everything exactly the same like much better much better so that's a super quick just watching like something now is like hey they're on facebook it's vertical like why are videos you know, a fifth of the iPhone screen horizontal when they should be the whole screen almost if it's vertical. Yep. And that's also, you know, just using different apps. I mean, one of the things that I do when I'm traveling is I watch people uh, and see what are they doing on their phones? What apps are they using? Especially folks who are just a little bit younger than me, um, because it is fascinating. You know, you get in your own little bubble. So you got to be aware of, of apps and sites and tools and what different folks are using. I mean, I still have Vero installed. And for those of you, most of you have no idea what that is because no, there's no activity right now going on here, but I still have it installed. I still go on there for about two minutes, maybe once a month. Nice. Um, I might post a picture or two, but Vero is positioning itself to be a, um, a non-advertising alternative to social media. So their promise is we will never um, use your data, sell your data, or have advertising on the platform. Um, and so it's just sitting there on my phone and I want to make sure I know the basic, uh, premise of it because we could only be one, you know, data scandal leak away from another wave of, I'm not going to do this yep. anymore when it comes to Facebook. Never know. So all, yeah. Can change you don't have to spend lots of time. It's just like we've said in so many different ways now, just block out little bits of time for experimentation, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to shifts in consumer behavior. And then the the other half of this is then compare what it looks like that consumer behavior is doing with the unchanging portion of how humans think, you know, human psychology, how humans behave uh, in terms of their expectations, what app they're using, what tool they're using, those things, those behaviors change, but how our brains function generally hasn't. That's right. And I think, is there predictably irrational is a good uh-huh. Human psychology book as far as things that we do, buying when we're purchasing. Kind of, kind of yes. And so that the important thing there is if let's say you saw a trend in, in consumer behavior that made you start to think that, you know what, everyone's going to buy their next house. They're going to buy it online. They're going to click a button. They're never going to see it. And it's all going to be based around the price per square foot. And so I'm going to race down this path of creating the best price per square foot comparison app for my company in my market, right? That for many of you, hopefully there's a, there was quickly a warning bell going on. Like that's not how people really shop. That might Mm -hmm. be how they justify, but price per square foot is not the initial search term that anyone is typing in lowest price per square foot homes near me, right? That's not it. Nope. So that that's an unchanging part of, it's trying to say that humans are going to shop completely based upon logic. Nope, that, that doesn't work. There's still and always will be emotion built into this. Yep, definitely. That's a good one. That All right. Some- and I'm sure there are more. Oh. Um, and maybe we should just write another book, Andrew, you and I together about market proofing your marketing. Market proofing your marketing. Builder marketing playbook. <laughs> Builder market. Combine all those titles that we had that were kicked to the bucket. <laughs> yep. But those are, those are four easy ways, not easy, but simple ways um, to make sure that you are positioning your company and your approach to marketing and advertising to become market proof. Beautiful. All right. We are not going to take a break because 
There's no question of the week responses to go through because we forgot to post forgot, it. Which is the last so, time we forget. We're sorry. Yes. We're going to use technology to help us with this problem that, that we have had a couple times now, which is forgetting to post the question of the week. So this week's question of the week is the same. How do you think marketing will change in the next 10 years? Okay. In the next 10 years, how will marketing and advertising new homes look and feel Will it be similar? Will it be completely different? Let us know. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check us out on doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and the like. I made a couple new friends this week. Yeah. I'm sure, Andrew, you did as well. Mm -hmm. We love it. Ask us questions. Join the Facebook group as well so you can answer this week's question of the week. It's going to be a great, great week. We'll see you guys next time. See ya. Boom. Well.